Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to Block Party. I'm your host, Mike Wall. Thanks for watching. If you're enjoying, hit that subscribe button, like, rate, and review us on our Prostitute Perform channel on YouTube. You can find me at MikeWall68 on uh, X, Twitter, X. Prostitute Perform on Instagram. Show's always sponsored by Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the usual suspects are headed to Vegas for the championship. Vegas is cold, by the way, right now. My parents live there. Not nice. And our partner, BetOnline, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade. BetOnline is the number one source for your championship wagering, so head to BetOnline today and join to get into all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're going to do a deep dive today on the San Francisco 49ers offensive line. As you guys have surmised at, at any point listening to the show, I think the game's won up front more often than not. Not enough stats to fall in love with those guys, certainly, but it's going to make the, the probably the biggest difference in the game, talking about offensive, defensive line, really the box, talking about the running backs, linebackers, et cetera. So we'll start with the San Francisco 49ers offense. And I think like, you got to start with Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, when we talk about they're averaging 28.9 points per game, second in the league, 396.9 yards per game, first in the league, 139.7 rushing yards per game, number three in the league. Brock Purdy's quarterback rating since he entered the league, 2022, 108, 2023, 109.6. He's a 68% completion percentage this year, had almost 4,800 yards. He has uh, 33 touchdowns to, to uh, 12 picks. He's just – he's one of the highest-rated guys in the league. Nobody – you know, we can talk about you know who's got credit. Who, he didn't make all pro, which is kind of nuts if you look at it just from a statistical standpoint and all the stuff that goes around. Listen, here's the one thing that's got to be true, right? The narrative around Brock Purdy, because he was Mr. Irrelevant, he does not get the credit that he would get. If he was the first pick in the draft, if he was if he was Bryce Young, if he was uh, if he was a you know a, a top ten pick, a top twenty pick, people are you know he's definitely first he's first or second team All Pro this year. People hold him in a completely different regard, and the thing is, like, he's a really good athlete who could throw the football around the yard. He's really, really good. But this team has all pros everywhere. Uh, here's the all pro list for the offense: Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in football; George Kittle, best tight end in football; Kyle Juszczyk, best best fullback, arguably the best fullback in football; Brandon Ayuk, second team all pro, one of the better, you know, top top seven. Top eight wide receivers in the league. Debo doesn't make it because he does, they don't know where to put him, but he's an absolute unicorn. But the best off, the best player on this football team, the best offensive player certainly is Trent Williams. First team All Pro again. Um, only surefire Hall of Famer on their team. There will be other guys that make it, obviously, but he is undoubtedly a, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Most physical lineman since since Larry Allen was in the league. I, I don't know what his stats are from like a. You know what he ran, what he benches, but I can just tell you from knowing the position, there are a handful of people in the entire world that can move like he can with the ferocity and the and the violence that he can move at the, at his size. He's the most dominant run blocker that we've seen in in years. Um, one thing that that he doesn't get credit for: incredibly smart and well prepared when it comes to blitz pickup, 
kinds of tips and tendencies. You see it all over the tape, and he's he's calling out plays before they're happening. Uh, he's one of the a handful of force multipliers at the offensive line position. I talk about this with the Packers, David Bakhtiari, all the time. But he's one of those guys that just being on the field, not to take away what he does from an X's and O's standpoint, um, he makes everyone around him better. He makes the running backs better. He makes the left guard better. He makes the tight ends better. He obviously makes the quarterback better. They're just, they feel like they can be more. When you're around somebody that that's that great, you feel like your ceiling is has been elevated just by being around that greatness. Uh, it's just a natural tendency of the humans. And, and he's one of those guys that is is the flagpole for for something like that, the temple, I should say. Excuse me. I think the next best player on the on that offensive line is is the center, Jake Brendel. Uh, I knew him a little bit in Miami. UCLA kid, hyper intelligent, a little bit undersized. He's got incredible leg strength. Lower body is is uh, off the charts strong, extremely intelligent. Uh, he plays with great leverage. He's a guy that uh, you know. It, at the center position with everything they have going on, it really is. It's not, it's not as complex as it looks, but the center position in, in the national football league with all they're asked to do from a call standpoint, especially with a younger quarterback, um, that the brain power that is required to kind of do all that stuff, pre-snap and then execute your execute. What's what's asked of you from kind of positional requirement standpoint is, is a really impressive thing. I, I would say this after, after those two, it really, after Trent, you start looking, this is a, a much more average-looking offensive line. The guard, Aaron Banks, uh, two and a half. Uh, he's a 20-21 second-round pick out of Notre Dame. Solid. He's solid on the run and pass. He gets caught high a little bit, doesn't punch out and extend sometimes, especially when he, he's got movement in front of him. He, there's, some, there's some areas of opportunity there. But solid player. And again, he's kind of paired between their two best guys. He's paired next to Trent Williams. So he plays better by default. And on, quite honestly, if you're smart, if you're a defensive uh, a coordinator, you're going to spend less time messing around with those guys because Trent's over there. Now, we showed this on the Packers tape. And it was true before we showed it in the preview. And it was true when we showed it during the game. The right guard and the right tackle are the place to attack if you're the Chiefs. If you're Chris Jones, if you're Karlofkis, I'm going over to that side and I'm, I'm camping out. Uh, John Feliciano, number 55, he's been playing at the right guard position uh, for Spencer Buford since Buford got hot, uh, hurt late in 2023. Uh, Feliciano is a natural center, doesn't have a great anchor, um, not a dominant. He's not like your prototypical dominant physical force, as opposed to um, 65 on the Chiefs, who is, uh, if anything, uh, a schoolyard bully, like just a big, strong, very, very physical. I'd like to get guys on the ground. Not that quite that kind of player. And then you've got right uh, the right tackle, Colton McKibbitz. He replaced Mike McGlinchey, the Notre Dame product, who was a first-round pick for him. He went to Denver on a big free agent deal. Um, I You say this about Colton. He knows coming into the – like it's going to be tough every week. Not only are a lot of good rush ends now playing left defensive end, but you've got the best – left tackle in football over on the other side, like they're going to spend a lot of time picking on you. They're going to put everything over here and they do a great job with, with the running backs and the tight ends chipping out and they do a great job of helping them with the motion, everything that's going on. This is a very, very friendly user, friendly offensive line, friendly offense. But again, if I'm the chiefs and seeing what the green Bay Packers did to these guys last week um, or two weeks ago, 
I'm going, I'm attacking these guys all day because you can beat, you can kind of stop them in the run game there. This is where you can make a lot of hay. And then you can get pressure on both those guys in the passing game. You can't talk about their offensive line, though, really. The way that these guys operate, you can't talk about them without talking about all pro George Kittle, all pro Kyle Juszczyk, um, as well as Charlie Warner, their, their backup tight end, who's in the game a lot. They run a lot of 12, uh, run some 22. Those those two guys in particular, though, they're, they're unicorns at their position, and meaning that they excel at every single aspect of the job that they've been asked to do. They are good at blocking. They're good at receiving the football. They're good out of the backfield. They're good at running motion. They're good at finishing blocks. They can single block. Uh, Kittle can single block defensive ends. Yushik is is good in in kind of slip block, combo blocks, and then working up to the tight end. They are as, as much as any two players in the National Football League, I think they are as mission critical to the success of the San Francisco 49ers as anywhere you're going to find in any, in any football team in, in, in the league. I don't think the offense works without George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, quite frankly. Like, I think they're the most important guys on that football team from an offensive standpoint because they just do things at a level that other teams just don't have guys that can do. My overall impression of the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to get into some tape. I'm going to show tape from last week's game, uh, a couple different drives. I think they're very well prepared. Chris Furster's over there. We we, we had him in Miami. Um He's extremely well prepared. The the scheme that they put together, everybody gives Shanahan credit. That's a collaborative group over there, and um, they've done a a high high level job of just putting guys in positions to be successful from like an angles, like a just a just a draw it up so it makes sense standpoint. Um, they're absolutely elite at the left tackle and tight end position. I think they're going to be. I think the Chiefs are going to feel like they have an advantage at every position, not named left tackle, as far as we feel like we can win some one-on-one matchups. If they give us a one-on-one option and it's and they give us a, you know, if we can get into situations where it's obvious passing situations or obvious run situations, we can run our stuff and we're going to feel really good about it. The Packers, they, they've outplayed this group for most of the game. The problem is when you have five all pros, the number one rated passer and Debo Spence. So you got like six or seven skill position guys, six, but six skill position guys that are absolutely elite. You make one or two mistakes, you know, and Chris McCaffrey turns it into a 30-yard game. Debo turns it into a 45. Yeah, you can catch a 65-yard touchdown. Brock Purdy, you know, give him an extra half second. He seems to just make things happen right now. Like, they are so good at the skill positions right now, and they have the this physical – I mean, just absolutely dominant play side, and maybe more importantly, backside in Trent Williams, the things that he does with on the cutoff blocks and kind of how he makes that person disappear, creates these big gaps in the running lane. Um, it's a it's just such a formidable offense to try to stop. And that's why everybody trying to copy it to some extent. And what they usually end up realizing is we have to tweak this because we just don't have the guys to run it like these guys are running it. Let's check out some tape with these guys. The first thing to think about is they're all about motion and misdirection. And so they're going to run Kittle in motion here. You're just seeing you know, a base defense. They got seven in the box, and they're just running with a uh, with uh, 21 personnel. You checks in the backfield. And so what they're going to do here is they're just going to run like split flow, but they're doing it with a with a what looks like a lead back. And they're going to take Kittle and they're going to run him across the face of that backside defensive end. And then Yushek's going to actually start downhill and then hook back and cut off this defensive end. And what you see here is 
the angles that everybody takes. The backside guard takes a poor step. Talking about number 65, he gets beat across the face. So Brendel's out there trying to make a cutoff play. McCaffrey's going to get this ball. And because that left guard takes that poor first initial footwork, he gets beat play side. Got to cut back here. And now Ancelotti can beat Brendel on the backside, make a play on the, on the line of scrimmage. And that's what you're going to have to see from the Chiefs is you have to win on those stretch double teams. You have to be able to get play side in between and really attack that backside player, whether it's the guard or the tackle. You have to be able to win leverage and force that running back to cut back because then your, your linebacker can play over the top. Because these guys, we're talking about the center or whoever's on the front side of the um, of the outsider middle zone, they're taking a pretty severe angle for that cutoff. So if you make that running back cut back, he's not going to be able to catch up to the linebacker. So we're just 11 personnel here. We got motion over by Kittle. And what they do here is they do a great job. This is just a pass protection. But they're also creating levels with their chips. What I mean by that, the way that these guys exit, they'll run. Because they don't – oftentimes they'll bring, they'll leave a guy in, they'll leave him two guys in. But they're usually chipping out, especially to help out the right tackle. So in this case, they're going to help – they're going to have Kittle chip out. Everyone else is going to be um, basically one-on-one -on -one with a five-down look. McCaffrey's going to exit to the left. But it creates it creates spacing for that offensive line. So especially if if the Chiefs decide to run a lot of sim stuff, where this is sim simulated pressures. So like for example, the the Lions are walked up all here trying to show that hey we're running some sort of pressure look, and whether or not you know forty four Rodriguez bails out or not, the distance that they have to cover now is different. So you have Ayuk running deep, Debo running medium, and now that Kittle or or McCaffrey are out in the flat, bringing those linebackers, bringing those one of those cornerbacks up and creating that level spacing for Brock Purdy. And this thing, you just can't fool him. And I, what am I saying? And you can tell a lot by Trent Williams. You can tell a lot by his stances. I'll kind of tell you, tell you what he's going to do more often than not, but they're going to run the, uh, the safety off the edge here. Everyone's going to loop out and you just, you can't fool him. He, he, they already know what the play is, and he calls all this stuff out. So he knows we're going to get loopers here. This is just by watching a ton of tape and just being a pro over the last you know 15 years. You see by his stance, he's already expecting the loop out. They know they're bringing the safety backside. Everybody's already had it picked up. They're running plays now. This team's so well prepared. We were like this in Green Bay where you know 19 times out of 20, you know the stunt they're going to run before they run it. Now, having said that, 65 gets beat here. He's not ready to have contact. Hands are wide. Gets pushed. Gets opened up and gets a hit on the quarterback. Makes this a difficult throw for Brock. And that's what you're going to have to see from the Kansas City Chiefs. When you make guys redirect in this team, particularly those guards in that right tackle, when you make them redirect, they have a tendency to open up. They don't punch as well. And that's where you have to attack. So, again, the way they release, it's very unique, really, to the San Francisco 49ers, maybe a handful of their teams. But they'll put McCaffrey in motion and keep him seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. They'll do this a number of different ways. They do it from formations where they actually have him back up from like a bunch look, but they want to keep that spacing the entire time. You see that they're a man here. Everybody's man up with the Detroit lions. And so you see the route combinations. I found this just, this is the way that the San Francisco 49ers are going to attack. So you know now that Brock Purdy is going to just do a five-step drop from under center, which is you know somewhat unique in this league. You don't see that often. Jordan Love was doing a little bit at the end of the last year. But because McCaffrey left, they're probably not running a fullback dive in this situation. So you've got your your uh, your clear out on the on the bottom. 
the flat route to change that level, to bring that linebacker away so that Debo can run that dig in the middle of the field. And really we're just, if that safety, if that safety backpedals that's in the middle at the 50 yard line on the, on the logo, if he backpedals, Debo's going to beat that guy across his face because that's what he does for a living. They're going to have an easy completion. So you clear out all the linebackers. You see that McCaffrey coming out of the backfield takes up Ancelotti down there at the 36 yard line on the bottom of the screen. And we have that clear out at the at the 50 here on the bottom of the screen. And all this does is just create all this space for these guys to get out. And this offensive line, nobody notices this, but you know, this is what happens in the National Football League. Like a lot of plays, a lot of big plays happen, and you don't notice that the quarterback just got hit. But you got to take advantage of these singles. So we got two exits. And right now, Jake Brendel's gonna get. A little bit okey-doked here where it looks like they're going to run a TT game. 55 turns in his stance. And you think he might be running some sort of game. Jake gets a little bit out of position, comes around, and he just gets absolutely murdered and gets this throw off. This is a this is a big time all pro, whatever you want to call it, kind of throw to be able to take that hit, sit in there and take that hit. But just something else. If you keep beating these guys in one-on-one -on -one situations, you keep hitting this quarterback. You know, it's not this play happened, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. He holds it for another one. He ducks. Anything, you know, these things add up over the course of a game. Trying to create these doubles. So one thing that the Niners kind of are, as far as I know, the first to do, and they do it so well, they do it with a, a bunch of different ways. But they create these slip blocks. You know, a slip block used to be between like the tackle and the guard here would be like slipping up the defensive end to the outside back or that safety. And instead of doing that, because they want to keep and secure that that nose tackle, so they want to keep that guard and secure that nose tackle, they've just turned this into kind of a use check is going to run on an on a track. And if this guy comes inside on Trent Williams, Trent will leave him. And he can go, and, and Yushik will pick it up, and he'll just go to the second level. And it allows their tackles to come off, or their tight ends in the case that they're doing with a tight end. It allows them to come off at a speed and a confidence that most teams don't have. And so this one isn't actually that clean. I think that uh, Hutchinson plays this pretty well. But you see, Trent Williams can just stiff arm this guy, and... Juszczyk's deciding that he's beaten. And Trent's so fast. Uh, his first two steps are so quick that he actually hooked Hutchinson here, which is not very – I don't know if any other tackles in the league can do it at that speed. But he ends up stiff-arming him and holding him back. And it kind of – you know, Hutchinson does a good job of getting in the backfield a little bit. But it, but Juszczyk can get around now. He sees that he hasn't gone inside. He can get around make this block and spring this thing for another five-yard gain. Brendel, like I'm just telling you, this guy, I remember he used to do, uh, he, you know, he's kind of an Olympic weightlifting background. And he had done some guys, he's done some work with some guys pre-combine, I think. And he was telling me how there was some formula they had figured out, but if you could trap our deadlift with the high handles, like three times your body weight, you could run a certain speed, you know, something, right? This kid could deadlift like 800. I mean, he was so strong, strong, strong human. So you see, they're doing the same thing here. They bring use check in, in motion. And they're going to essentially do the same thing. They got the slip now between Trent and 65. And now they're going to bring Kittle. And Juszczyk's going to kind of clean up that mess if, if need be. And now Brendel's got the tough block on his own. 
and he gloves and holds and ends up finishing this guy to the ground. Well, look at the job Yushik does, by the way, on Ancelotti. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. These guys are unicorns, man. They're so good. But Brendel finished this guy to the ground, five yards downfield, domination block. You don't see – if you watch the National Football League and there's 32 teams, 32? You don't see a lot of teams with just a ton of guys, like bodies on the ground all the time. And with this team, and I think a lot of it's because Ancelotti – or um, you checking Kittle in particular, you see a ton of guys hit the deck, right? It's just part of what they want to do. They're running physical football team. That's what Shanahan wants. And, and these guys really try to back it up. I write five-man boxes in question mark because you're going like, what are you thinking running a five-man box? Now, they got the linebacker split out against Kittle outside the defensive end, so I'm kind of bastardizing this look. But ultimately, you've got a five-man look with six men in the box, you got a five, you have five blockers and, and Christian McCaffrey being the sixth guy. And this just doesn't seem very fair. So they're going to run the guard pull. They they love running the traps so they can get the doubles. And you see the acceleration that Trent Williams comes down on this three technique. They're going to double to the backside linebacker. And the backside linebacker is going to play hard over the top. Kittle's actually going to come in and try to hit him as well. But look at the speed of the get off with, with what, Trent Williams does. I mean, turns the guys back, pushes. It's just, it's so violent. The hole that opens up is just terrible. And you can just imagine from a linebacker standpoint, these guys, 230, 240 pounds thinking like, I don't want that guy to hit me. I'm going to fire my gun as fast as I can. And then Kittle comes over and wapalops. Again, they end up getting like a 10 yard gain here. So we got use check and, and Kittle in the game. So you got 21 personnel. You're in pistol look. He's just gone in motion. Now he's coming across. And they're just trying to see if we're going to get any movement. And so now, this is the situation if you're the, if you're the Chiefs that you really want to be able to attack the double teams. And there's two teams, two double teams you're going to see here. Now, Juszczyk does a good job of – this is Jack Campbell outside the rookie from Iowa – does a good job, do a good job trying to one-on-one -on -one block him. Kittle and and uh and McKivitz are gonna double up to the second level. And we've got 55 and, and 64 doubling up to Ancelotti. Now the linebackers are gonna play this differently. Ancelotti's gonna play this, he's gonna hold a weight because that that defensive tackle is gonna flatten this, like we talked about. 55 can get flattened down the line of scrimmage. The other linebacker is going to come downhill and try to take George Kittle out and clog the hole right now. And so you have to have this kind of game plan. You see that 55 gets held up and he hasn't moved off the line of scrimmage. So they're just running horizontally. So I thought he can play back, but Kittle's about to take it right in the face and he gets pushed back into the hole. And that's what you have to do. You have to understand your personnel. If that guy's going to flatten anyway, you always play backside. But if these guys are going to try to vertically displace you, like Kittle's always going to try to do, well, you got to attack that guy and really reset that line of scrimmage. So we got the extra motion. And now we got the next motion. And it just creates chaos for these guys. And this isn't a completed pass, but you see what happens. We're going to pull the guard. We're going to bring Juszczyk over. They're going to run. He's going to open up under center. 
and and fake handoff to McCaffrey. You see this backside safety. He's got vision on all this stuff that's happening. Everybody's flocking to the football. You got singled up Brandon Ayuk out here. It's like stealing lunch. Even though he's got inside, he's got inside leverage on Ayuk. Plays open. I mean, he just beats uh uh what's that? What's Cam's name? Um number one for the, the Detroit Lions. Beats him pretty soundly. Wide open throwing lane. And the truth is, uh I believe in this play that maybe Williams did such a good job that they ended up they ended up uh, getting their hands up. Now, one thing that you have to understand when you're a well-coached football team, and, and this is a well-coached offensive line, you've got seven up right now. This is easier to block than a straight rush, unless you don't have any guys that can rush the passer. So Lane McNeil can rush the passer for this team. Hutchinson can obviously rush the passer for this team. So when you bring all of these guys – like basically what you're saying is in this look, my left, my right tackle and right guard are going to have the hard job, except for Ancelotti's not a pass rusher. So if we decide that we're going to go five down over here and we're going to, we're going to count him in the count, then if he shows up, then really Feliciano's got the tough job with the one-on-one block for, from a wide player. And your right tackle is going to be able to help you because he can set and wait. It's going to take, it's a lot of a long time to get there. So you're going to get this double on this defensive tackle, defensive end until the linebacker shows up. Not a hard block, honestly. Center singled up, hard block. He's all on an island. He doesn't get that very often. But now you look at the backside, you only have one pass rusher over here and, and three guys, three other guys, just bodies. Those linebackers can't rush the passer against, against those two humans, right? So now what you've done is you've created this empty situation where you're simulating pressure and you're thinking that like the San Francisco 49ers are worried about this. They're not. If you, they have answers. If you bring somebody early, like in other words, like it's baked into how they run the blitz pickup. And if you decide to bring any two of those guys on the left, it's not, a, it's just not a problem. You know, you can, we call this sifting. So 65 and 71 are going to sift, just kind of set back. And you're going to assume that defensive end's coming, the one guy who knows how to rush the passer and can't, and can't drop out. You're assuming he's going to come. And then the left guard's just got to kind of figure out the rest of it. And it's really, this is a lot easier than having like four good pass rushers on the field trying to do their best stuff. This is not hard for these guys. Tons of time. This is the first third and eight they ended up getting. So that was the first drive and they ended up getting the field goal. So we'll go to the first drive in the second half now. And honestly, this is just like, this is awesome. And what this motion, so we got use check. First of all, you see Kittle is like hipped off from the, from the tight end. So think about everything we've watched this year and where this guy's going to talking about that tight end. He's going to be off the line of scrimmage. He's going to be off the back hip of the, of the tackle. He's going to be close because he wants to go back to all this stuff. So they create a little bit of a stance split in order to widen this gap naturally. And what they're going to do is they're going to man the backside. They're going to slip block between the right tackle and the right guard up to the linebacker and the yellow, yellow cone. And they're going to bring Juszczyk across and this. They're going to like slip this block between George Kittle and Juszczyk, which basically gives that guy no chance of being success, right? No chance of success. Because he's got to worry about the best blocking tight end in the league and then the best fullback in league is going to come up and clean his clock, and they're just going to work up to a safety or corner, whoever's on the outside. But the key to the thing is Ayuk is willing to come in and block their middle linebacker one-on-one. -on -one. 
So they crack block the linebacker, and that allows Juszczyk and Kittle to work all the way up to the corner. And look at the hole that's created when that happens. So you got the double team slip block against a tight five or a four technique. You got a wide slip block against a stand-up linebacker. You got a crack block on the on the mic. And now you're working your two best, arguably two best non-lineman blockers up to a cornerback. I mean, and you are oh, the best running back in the football. What a great, a great play design, great execution. It's just fun to watch, man. So this is one of those plays where I've talked about the different stances and, and Trent's got a couple of different stances, but he's showing run this stance. He's not in a pass pro. They're under center. So in a lot of under center looks, you can just look at the feet of one of the linemen and realize like, Oh, this isn't a, this isn't play action. They're dropping back because the way he's standing, he's got his wide stance. Like he's going to attack. And so because of that, they're really showing run and you see the effect it has on these linebackers and, and defensive players. So they all pop up. And now we're just going to look at that middle safety. If that middle safety, Ayuk's going to run across his face. If he runs across his face and he goes with, run the dig route again for uh, Debo, another big play. And it's just all predicated on you're showing run up front, get those linebackers to bite because you're not giving any tells. And now that space for that 15-yard dig, it's all there. Deep crossers. So I show this whole play in entire because the Lions got to be able to tackle. And that's one thing the Chiefs are going to have to do. And I think they do a better job than the Lions do. But what I'm really showing is this is just great communication. So you see from this stance what's happening. He's going to rock inside. Trent sees it. Trent sees the play out outside. He's telling the quarterback. He's telling the offensive line, hey, we've got pressure coming from this side. Right? Big time play by big time player. Just an easy communication. So what that does is that tells these two guys, be ready for these, these two, uh, the right tackle, right defensive tackle, right defensive end, our left, their right. If they're going to shoot down, be ready, Jake, to not take this defensive tackle, to take the next guy, even though we're pulling the guard. So they've got to look with a hot. Christian picks it up. Quick hitch. Design solution for, for that look. Fantastic. Look at the time he has. You know, Trent's you – know, the thing about some of these guys are they're so physically dominant that, you know, the guy gets to a point where he realizes, like, I don't really have any options. I better try to take an edge and realizes the quarterback's going to step up. What do I do? And all of a sudden he's on his back. And uh, that stuff's sledding. This is a great by great play by Purdy. Mahomes had a similar play in his play in his uh, championship game, but when you you watch this stuff, we're all you know four down. Center's just gonna make a whole call, and you see the difference in the body position. So you see the Hall of Famer in kind of a real hip pinch position. If you imagine if you turn this around, you can't see. It's like got him a no-numbers look. You know, you got his chest down. He's not giving you a lot to hit. You see the McKivitz is almost, almost standing straight up and down. This is the old, you know, 40-year-old traditional. This is how we teach, you know, pass pro. And you see what happens in body position. Look at the body position between, you know, the the, the Hall of Famer and, and the guy that's been, you know, taught the 40-year-old 
pass pro technique. Just from a body position standpoint, you attack body position. And some of these guys in the National Football League struggle because they're they don't figure this out until it's too late. But just if you know, if you're one of these two guys, if you're watching this, which one do you want to be? I mean, take their physical abilities and everything out. Just from a body position standpoint, what you're presenting to the to that defensive player, which one would you prefer to be in? What position, you know? So one of them ends up on the ground, one of them buries his guy. And it's just a it's a question of how we're taught, how a lot of these guys continue to teach these players. But I think, you know, for me, that's why I look over there where the Chris Jones is third down, whether you got Kaloftis, who's just, you know, really kind of a power rush energy guy. You know, they're going to be looking at this tape and going, man, there's a lot of opportunities to attack 68. So they're showing motion, and they're really just going to run split flow with the wrinkle now. So they got Kittle on the tight end backside. He's going to block out. And they're just going to run the split flow to the defensive end instead of the, the 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 last man outside. So it's a little bit of wrinkle from what we've seen because they're running out of a uh, 22 personnel. So everybody comes through. The play ends up not working because the right guard, I'll show you right now, the right guard ends up taking two steps and trying to torque. So if I can show you to slow this down, one, two, and he tries to torque right here. But now as soon as he torques, he's already determined the hole for the running back instead of staying on his guy. Again, all you have to do is win play slide and hold your ground with leverage on a lot of these plays and force that running back to make a cut in the backfield. Your linebacker can be waiting in the wings. But this is a really smart design play, and you can see if he just would have driven, you can kind of see the hole between Juszczyk and then McKivitt's up on top on the on the linebacker, and then Brendel on the other side over on the left. Like you've got a huge lane there. You just can't two and torque. I think we got one more play here. This is a well-coached team, but I'm talking about the Lions now. So you got two guys leave. You're gonna trigger on the you're a backside linebacker's gonna trigger because he's got has no responsibilities now. And this McKivitz, man, he just lights this dude up, puts him on his back. That is a very, very, that's, again, that's coaching. That's just making sure you understand the rules of the game, know what's going to happen before it's going to happen. They, hey, they're going to, they're going to probably dog this guy when we exit. Play doesn't work out, but those, those little plays in the game takes a hit off the quarterback. I was wrong. We have one more. So we got five down. And we're just going to call this five. They're going to run a uh, a game over here uh, uh, with uh, Rodriguez. They're going to run a like a, a TE. They're going to loop the DN. And then they're going to show Aiden Hutchinson coming. And then he's going to drop late. And McCaffrey is responsible for anything coming off the backside edge. So, again, for me... I think these are a waste of time versus this group. I think picking up stunts and blitzes is a waste of time because now you're dropping Hutchinson after you want him to show. So 68 sets wide, I guess. I'm not sure. But you'll watch this and you'll see that 97, who's on uh, Feliciano uh, 55 right now, as he's looping out, he's going to try to get outside at leverage. So you're not really doing him any favors. You're just slowing down Hutchinson. McCaffrey sees the pickup. And the rest of these blocks are relatively easy for these guys 
Because when you bring extra people, you take away lane priority for the good, actually good rusher. So in other words, the, the rusher that's rushing on uh, the left guard is, has to stay right down the middle or in the B gap. Like he doesn't have down the middle, A gap, B gap. He doesn't have, he doesn't have rush priority anymore. He has to stay in his lane. The defensive end has to stay in his lane. We're looping outside. That's a, that's a non-dominant pass rush. We're dropping on the backside. So this is much, much too easy for this group. I wouldn't spend a lot of time running all this stuff unless you've got something in the kitty where you know you can put a free hitter on Purdy more often than not. I just think they're too good. So that's – I mean, this game is going to come down to – you know, I, I think – what's the over-under on this thing? I'm, I'm guessing this is a 20-something, 20-something game. Yes, yeah, so the over-under is 47 and a half. And that sounds about right. I would probably say the under. I just, you don't see the Kansas City Chiefs defense giving up a lot of points in the second half recently. You don't see them scoring a lot of points in the second half recently. Um, the Niners have been rallying the last couple of weeks. So you, you kind of expect this to be, you know, if you were going to say this is a 24-21 game, I don't think anybody would be surprised with put you at what, 45 points. So listen, I, I think this is a this is such the the, the Chiefs D line versus the San Francisco 49ers offensive line, and then vice versa. I think it's just such a huge matchup in this game. You know, Kalaftis could have a big day. Jones could have a big day in the run game. He could have a good day in the pass game. He could have a big day in the run game. Uh, Mike Dana, I'd like him, but, you know, he's probably going to – Mike Dana's going to have a long day against Trent Williams. And then you start talking about if, if Gay's healthy, you got Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil's been playing at a high level. They like to move those guys around. They like to do some sim stuff. Justin Reed's always around the line of scrimmage. I think he's going to be a key part of their run defense and bringing and bringing an extra guy into the box. The Chiefs actually have the personnel to play with the 49ers. They've got they've got um, they've got three bona fide every down linebackers that they can play all the time. You don't have to like that's their base defense is actually not nickel with an extra guy that comes in every once in a while, their base defense, you know, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, you could see them in every snap and not be surprised. They're used to that. They've got a safety in Justin Reed, came back from the Texans a couple of years ago. He can play in the box, around the box at the line of scrimmage. Very, very good run defender. So I think that part of the game is going to be super interesting. Can the 49ers, because all the stuff we're seeing, what do we see? A couple gaps, a lot of different split flow looks, and it's all kind of, Motion and misdirection in the backfield like makes makes the play interesting or difficult for the, the opposition, right? Eye discipline and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, a lot of the passing game stuff and how they layer and how they bounce out and how they keep you – know, they actually you – know, they use spacing behind the line of scrimmage pre-snap. All of that stuff's going to come into factor. But when you talk about being able to establish your running game, right, so you can run your play action stuff and everything else that you want to run in this, you know, it comes down to, for me – in the biggest game of the, uh, of of the year, are you going to lean on, are you going to lean on Trent Williams in the run game a little bit more this this week and make sure that he's a priority block as far as backside B on an, on a middle zone inside zone as far as point of attack on the rest of the stuff because he's that dominant and he's that much more dominant I think especially when you bring pair him up with Kittle pair him up with Yushchek than the rest of this line. I think if you try to go away from that. I think you're doing your team a disservice, especially, you know, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Karloff's first-round pick. Good player, not a great player. Mike Dana, I think probably undersized for that particular matchup. Obviously, uh, 
Omena, who got hurt with his ACL last week, that's unfortunate to see. They've got two young guys that play, two rookies that, that play a little bit, and then Malik Herring plays a little bit. But they don't have people at the defensive end position. You know, they might be better offering Chris Jones outside for like a larger majority of the game and then bringing in a second defensive tackle to have to, to, to try to mess with those, those three interior offensive linemen. So there's a couple different ways the Chiefs can play this. They do have to feel confident, I think, from a linebacker, like, you know, second-level standpoint, they can handle this game. But I, that battle up front is going to be critical, 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 going to be fun to watch. You can find me at MikeWall68 on Twitter, process to perform excuse me, process to perform Instagram. Hit me up with any questions. I did have a question. Somebody asked me about, I'll hit a Packers question because we're here. Somebody asked me about, you know, how far are the Packers away on defense now that they've made this new hire uh, with Halfley? And um, we, told, we I, it just, I think it keeps coming down to, do you have a premium rusher at, uh, is is Kenny Clark going to be a premium rusher, defensive tackle on a 4-3? I, th- I think he can be, but he's been playing the other way a long time. Do you have a premium pass rusher there? Do you have a safety that could be a box guy? Like, do you have an enforcer safety? And then with the BC tie to Isaiah McDuffie, what does that look like as far as who's playing in the box? You know, or if you're going to go to a 4-3, you probably move Quay to Will. Devondre, if he stays. And then Isaiah plays in there where? How does how does that relationship work? Do they have the personnel at the, at the linebacker position? Um, I You know, teams are going to keep – listen – San Francisco 49ers started something here. The teams are going to keep employing more tight ends, employing fullbacks. You're going to see you're going to see teams having to return to more traditional base defenses, having to play with more guys in the box. Right, the pendulum always swings one way or the other. These linebackers, you can't keep employing 230, 235 pound linebackers and think that teams aren't going to start running the football anymore often. So this is all part of it. Um, do we have the right guys on that side of the ball yet? You would hope so with eight first-round draft picks. I think Savage might be the first of those eight to, to leave the team, but they're going to have seven at least next season. Uh, you know, with that said, you feel real good about everybody on that team as far as, like, you don't really need a lot of pieces. You just need maybe a better a better system, and you need those guys to play with the ferocity and the violence that they're, they really haven't played with consistently over the last couple of years. So... That's that. You're enjoying, guys. Hit that like button, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we'll be back with some more Packers stuff after the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.